Welcome to Reframing Our Stories, the podcast. This podcast is about provocative conversations with beautiful thinkers about topics that matter and the stories that have helped them reframe their lives. Grab something cozy or put on your walking shoes and let's reframe. It was picture day for my kiddos for soccer, and I ran into my friend Kelly. She and I share a love for all things related to mother slash parenthood. She and I have had many sexuality health conversations because of her job as a childbirth educator. So when she came to me and said she really wanted to talk to me about things related to sex and relationships, I was not surprised. She then said, Kara, my husband and I have opened our marriage, and now we are polyamorous. She is not the only person who had recently told me that information. In fact, it is said that about one in nine Americans are in a polyamorous relationship. As a sex educator, I am very aware of what polyamory is, but I must say, I don't know the ins and outs or firsthand experience of how a couple has navigated this territory. Around 2016, I did a workshop at a church gathering explaining more about gender identity and what it means to be trans. I had a woman come up to me and say, you know, Kara, knowing you 10 years ago, I never thought we would be having a conversation like this. So I'm wondering, what will the conversation around sexuality be like in 10 more years? And I looked at her and I said, just immediately, monogamy. So I'm happy to have Kelly on my show to give us a deeper understanding of what polyamory is. Kelly, I am so glad that you are on our show and that you are here to tell us and teach us about polyamory. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited that, you know, we were able to finally make this happen. I feel like we've been talking about it for months. So. I know. I know. Well, I was saying in the intro, you know, I I know of polyamory, right, because of what I do, but I also am not as familiar with like the ins and outs of it. And, you know, even how that conversation initially happens with partners of, you know, um, <laughs> of and what that looks like. So what was it like for you and your husband to have a conversation about the possibility of opening your marriage and then, then how that happened and came to be? Yeah. yeah. And that's been kind of one of my favorite things about you know, getting to know new people in polyamory is always kind of asking like, what was their origin story? And some of them come to it like without being in a partnership already. And then there is a lot where people are already in an established partnership and then they um, decide to to make a switch. I think for me, um, because of some family stuff, non-monogamy in general was like always in my sphere. So I knew that like, this is a thing that people do sometimes. So it was kind of normalized in that way. And we would talk about it over the years. I mean, so my husband and I have been together since I was 18 and for, we're at like 15 years now. So do the math. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, it had come up over, over the years and we would say like, well, maybe when we're done having kids or maybe when the kids are older or, you know, it was always just like, well, maybe at some point. I and mean, we definitely originally talked about it very much from a like sex perspective of sex is sex. That's it's, you know, that's not, um, it's different than love, which is funny because then we ended up in the much more like love centered version of non-monogamy, but mm. 
I think coming out of 2020 and us uh, all being so isolated for so long yeah, and not having that connection, it, it kind of set the stage for it to be something that we could explore at that point. Mm-hmm. So when, so I'm just going to ask different questions, right? Yeah, because I know part. a lot of my listeners are going to be like, well, like, well, what about this? And what about that? Right. Because <laughs> yeah. so many people, right. Have those yeah. things are like, well, what about jealousy? Mm-hmm. What about the, you know, like how do they navigate emotions and different things? And then how do you help explain for some people where there is no, for them, there's no separation between sex and love or like, you know what I mean? Where they see sex as more of like, uh, of not just a physical expression, mm-hmm. but they mm-hmm. see it as an emotional. In- yeah, no, that's a really good question. And yeah. I think, I think going into it, we've had those thoughts, but then very much realized like that for us, polyamory was a much better fit than like, say swinging or, um, just non-monogamy in general. It's interesting. Like okay, some people, yeah. some, some people think of non-monogamy as only sex and some people don't realize that it can be like these, these loving relationships too. So I think for mm-hmm. us, it is more than that. It's not, it, um, the relationships that we have are both, right. They include mm-hmm. both. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny, you brought up the jealousy and I know we had talked about like, well, what is, what are the biggest misunderstandings, you know, around Polly? And I think that that is one of them is that people think we're like some magical unicorns that never yeah, get jealous. That never get jealous. Yeah. <laughs> and it's always the, it's the common, like, oh, well, I could never do that because I'd get too jealous. And it's like, well, we all are humans and jealousy is an emotion. Um, mm-hmm. Envy is an emotion. These mm-hmm. are things that we feel. And then it's just, what do you do with that feeling? Like, is it, do you, and I mean, there's plenty of people that get jealous in monogamy and there's toxic monogamy where it's like right. jealousy of like, oh my God, you talk to another woman or you talk to another person or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's just like, what do you do with it? And I think I can't remember if it was Polly Secure, the book that I read or one of the other ones, but talking about like, when you have that feeling of jealousy, where is it coming from? Is it from a need that you're not getting met? Right. And can you get that need met from whatever partner you're feeling the jealousy about? Or can you get it met somewhere else? Or, you know, is it, can you meet it for yourself? Right. And and sometimes it's all three of those things. Yeah. And I think some of us too, from my learnings and things is that is an insight, like you said, of how even though those in monogamous relationships can just learn so much <laughs> about paying attention to some of totally. the things that the poly community intentionally do around communication and things like that, and to deal with jealousy, because oftentimes, you know, we experience the emotion, but I don't think do the work mm-hmm. to understand, like you said, like, where is that emotion coming from? Mm-hmm. What yeah, are the what roots? What right, are the roots? Right. Right. Yeah. What is it that you're you're missing or you're needing more of or and and where can you get it? Can you get it from yourself? Can you and there can be toxic polyamory too, where I've seen this sometimes where people are like, Well, your emotions are only yours. Like you, you, you're responsible for your emotions and very much like put it on the other person. And I think that yes, like we are only responsible for our, our emotions, but we also are allowed to ask for support from our partners, right? right? Around those things. And so there's that, that balance of like realizing that you are responsible for your own feelings and all of that. Um, mm-hmm. But you can also get support from people to, right. to, to move through it. Like that's part of the work, you know? Yeah. So how has your relationship changed since becoming 
Polly? It has gotten so much better, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's taken the pressure off, I think. And I, I don't think it's fair that we want this one person to be all of the things. And I think even I was talking to a friend last night, actually, about like, I would argue most of us are non-sexually polyamorous, right? Like we create deep relationships sure. with other people besides the the one the one Our person. Spouse. Mm-hmm. So it's it's adding it's just adding that layer into relationships. But I don't think it's fair to expect one person to be all of the things, to be, you know, the best parent, the best partner, the best, you know, you know, financial partner, the best, like all of these different things when that's nobody can be that like it's unrealistic expectation. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of times what people do is then they're like, okay, well, this person can check like seven of these boxes, but they can't check these other two. So I'm going to go try to find someone that can check the other two, you know? And so it's, that's the serial monogamy thing versus being like, wow, this person checks seven boxes. And then these other two boxes I can get met elsewhere. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, So yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> so how so how did that help like for you to change kind of your mind frame around that right cuz I always think about you know what we are told right growing up mm-hmm. and how that sets so much of our expectations for relationships mm-hmm. and watching the movies that we do seeing the advertisements that we see mm-hmm. um also hearing the music it's so funny because my daughter absolutely hates love songs. <laughs> <laughs> hates them and so we talk about it and part of it though is she's like well listen to what they say like come on like is this really what you want to be and I'm like (laughs) she's so she has so much she's so intuitive and I'm like when you listen to songs they are extremely actually codependent yes love songs are codependent yes you know to put like you said so much of your like, oh, my undying love, you know? So I guess I'm wondering, like, how have you taken some of those messages you have learned growing up and then have reframed some of that stuff for the relationships you are in now? Yeah, um, it's funny, like, that'll come up in polyamory communities, too, of like, this song would be great if it didn't just say, like, you know, this creepy piece right here, or you're the only one, or the, the this or that. There's actually, um, I'll have to send it to you if you want to put it in the show notes, there's a, a a couple that are poly that have written some songs that are more, like, poly- and one of them's called love going deeper and it's 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 nice like to to actually have some some music out there that is more um geared towards that i think i think i still i mean we've spent almost two years now and i i think that there's still gonna there's still times where things come up that i'm like oh wait why why is that programming there like why am i worried about x y or z or feeling guilty about something that i shouldn't be right when it's Mm -hmm. actually it's actually a positive thing like um you know, we, my husband's girlfriend and I are very, very close. Like we have our own friendship and she's over there a lot. She's around the kids a lot. They love her. And that makes me happy. And mm-hmm. sometimes I'm like, I'll stop and, and think like, should I, should I be like, cause, cause in our programming, it's like, well, you don't, you should be the only female role model or whatever, which is so mm-hmm. stupid, you know, yeah. and I'll have to catch myself and be like, no, it's wonderful that she has, that my girls have so many different people that love and care about them in mm-hmm. their lives. Um, so things like that, you know? Yeah. So how has that impacted your children? 
for the better. I mean, they, mm-hmm. I love, you know, it's funny when you and I first talked about this, it was before we were ready to be out publicly. And then a couple right. months later we had um, come out like social media through my business to families or whatever. And like, that was a fear, like, especially uh, on my husband's part of like telling, telling everybody that this is who we were. Mm-hmm. And now we look back and it's like silly because it's just been so much better. And when you tell kids something and don't, and don't make it weird, then it's not weird for them. Like they're, it's amazing how resilient and um, adaptable they are of like, oh yeah, this is, you know, mm-hmm. we have more people that love us. Daddy loves Shiloh. Daddy loves mommy. Like, yeah. you know, like that, that, that kind of thing is, is just so normalized for them now. And we even at the back to school meeting for school this year, like told her new teacher, like, Hey, this is our, you know, relationship um, style. So if you hear her talking about X, Y, or Z, this is, you know, that's, this is our life. And that felt, that felt good to me to be able to. Yeah. I bet that I bet that felt a little freeing because Mm -hmm. yeah, like you need, I mean, the people in your community, like who your kids are directly around, like, you know, need to have that kind of understanding and to be open to that understanding, right, of, mm-hmm. of who they come in contact with. So, and also, you know, what are your thoughts in general around, because I had, I talked about this on one of my former podcast episodes, but what are your thoughts around nuclear families in general? <laughs> I think they're bullshit. <laughs> Am I allowed to cuss on your podcast? I should yeah. ask that. Okay. <laughs> I do. I do. I think they're bullshit. And you know that I work in parenting and new, you know, I, I'm a childbirth educator and support people through like pregnancy and new parenthood. And I, I, there's been so many times the last couple of years when I'm teaching, when I say like, cause I am out as being poly and bi and all of that. And it's like, I, I say, you don't have to want to have sex with other people, but like, this is the way that we should should live like we we're meant to live in community we're meant to have people that can jump in and Mm -hmm. and help with things I mean there's been times where one of our partners will watch the kids while the other one's out and my husband's schedule is weird because of what he does for work and you know it's yeah so I I think that I think that it's bullshit and I think that we are much more meant to live in community but because of capitalism and monogamous programming and you know the way that we live in America, that's not normalized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel there's a part of me and I've talked about it before. of like, there is this essence of having more community and not being so, you know, picket fenced, big backyards, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. With a deck mm-hmm. where we isolate ourselves mm-hmm. from other people. And even I would say, you know, even neighborhoods I'm starting to see I think in certain ones are opening up a little bit more. Like I Mm -hmm. see a lot more neighbors, like in my neighborhood, a lot of families have a lot more younger children than mine. And they, you know, people go back and forth in and out of each other's houses and are being more helpful in that way. Because I think everyone's starting to recognize (laughs) um, this model that we were living in for a long time is breaking us down. And the pandemic helped with that, right? Like we yeah. saw how much we needed other people when we were forced to be only with with our people. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was lucky enough, like in the height of 2020, to not have been poly yet. And I talked to my my community people about like navigating that and the the like potting and isolation and which partners and this. And I'm like, I'm grateful that we weren't in that place yet because mm-hmm. I it sounds like that was particularly difficult for polyamorous sure. people to navigate. Cause you know, when you have a nuclear family, it was like, okay, you're staying with your nuclear family and that's it. But right. Yeah, for sure. So often when you and I have talked, 
about some of your relationships, you have used a lot of different terminologies around poly that I don't think even I was um, (laughs) familiar with. So can you explain some of the terms that poly individuals use? Yeah. And when uh, you were asking me about this, I was trying to think of like, what are the ones that are most important to bring up? Um, Mm -hmm. I think one that a lot of people don't hear is metamor, which is uh, your partner's partner. So for me, that's my husband's girlfriend is my, my metamor or I'm Mm -hmm. her metamor, but, and we were talking about this recently too. It's, we also have our own separate relationship too. So it's, Mm -hmm. it it can all blend together a little bit. Um, Another word like related to metamor is compersion, which is Mm -hmm. you feeling joy for your partner being happy with somebody else. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, which I think is probably what many people have the most confusion about, right? With Because that kind of coincides within that jealousy issue, uh-huh. you know, instead of being of compersion of saying, oh, I'm actually joyous for right. them and, feeling joy, right? And realizing that it's not taking away from your relationship, like for them to have joy with another person, it's it's, it's, it's more abundance. Like it's this scarcity mindset, I think is what gets us in the like jealousy. It's like, Oh, if I, I have to hold this person only for myself. And if they give any of them themselves to anybody else, then that means they're taking away from me. But it's, Mm -hmm. but I always compare it to the, like, like you have two kids, I have two kids, right? We have one kid. And then you don't think you can love the other one as much as you love the first one, Mm -hmm. but you do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Like, and so why do we, why do we do that with um, romantic or sexual relationships and we don't do it with children or with friends, you know? Right. And I'm curious, this just came into my head because I am also learning as I'm talking with you. Mm -hmm. I'm curious how attachment styles play into how, you know, even monogamous relationships and polyamorous Mm -hmm. relationships work and where that shows up in terms of being able to experience compersion and then Mm -hmm. jealousy. Do you oh, have yeah. thoughts on that? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's still stuff I'm trying to unpack. So that my favorite, again, book around this is Polysecure. And I honestly mm-hmm. think monogamous people should read it, too, because it's very right. grounded in attachment theory. Yeah. Um, and like how you can have different attachments with different partners. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. I I'm pretty pretty across the board an anxious attacher like and that's probably because I have anxiety and whatever childhood stuff I'm sure mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. but like with one of my partners who is also a very much anxious attacher we very easily securely attach because we get each other and we get like what the other one needs to feel secure mm. and so it just doesn't like there's no there's no worry in that relationship at all. Whereas when I am drawn to these more like avoidant or disorganized attachers, that's a lot harder for me because then I'm like the anxious graspy, graspy, grasping. And they're like, Whoa, like let's, you know, or the disorganized is like, Oh, I'm good. And then I'm going to run away. You know? So I do, I do think attachment styles play a huge role in how different relationships um, come together and about, like where the jealousy comes from, right? Because an anxious attacher and then someone who's trying to pull back and be avoidant, that's going to cause more like, oh, I need support around that, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's some people too, who in their marriages are struggling and um, want some new experiences. And so then they do open their marriage, right? They're like, well, let's do this. Mm-hmm. So what are some things that you would say to people like that? Because it's also been known that it doesn't help all couples and that it can also end marriages and things like that. So what are kind of your 
what's your advice around that for people? Yeah. Yeah. And then I, and then I have other terms I was going to tell you too. Oh um, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it's okay. like, I'm like, I want to <laughs> remember to, I'm, I'm reminding myself to come back to it. Yeah. I think reading the books and getting the grounding information, like, don't just like do it on a whim, like, okay, we're just going to do this and see what happens, you know, mm-hmm. like reading Polysecure or kind of the old school book is ethical slut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, those, those sorts of Opening up was another good one, especially if you're coming from a, a like established partnership to open. It had more. I feel like I feel like ethical slut is much more like this is why it's so great. You should do this, and mm-hmm. then like opening up and polysecure have like like much more tangible mm-hmm. tips for it, and just making sure that you're in a secure enough place in your current partnership before trying to do that. It's definitely not a like. I've seen like tangentially friends or people in the community, like they try to do that to save the marriage or like, oh, this is going to make it better. And then it, and then it doesn't because if you're yeah. not already in a grounded place. You, that's yeah. what I was going to say, right? Yeah. You have to kind of be in a grounded place to be able to operate on that. Yes. Sort of yes. Okay. Yeah. So back to terms. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I was getting yeah. so excited. No, no, it's good. <laughs> There's, I know we're going to go in, going to go in uh, circles here. So so yeah, metamor and conversion, um, kitchen table poly, like you've probably heard me say that before, maybe, right. maybe not. Yeah. So yeah. Ki- there's there's kind of different styles of polyamory of like kitchen table. The idea is that all of your partners could sit around a kitchen table together oh. um, and talk and yeah. be friendly with each other. It doesn't mean they have to be like best friends. It doesn't have to be like me and my husband's girlfriend where we are like she knows about all my other relationships and we, we are, we are close in that way. Um, but just like, you know, each other. And I think for me, the reason that style works the best is because it takes away that jealousy and it takes away that anxious attachment a little bit because it's like, Oh, like this isn't a threat. This is just another person in my Mm -hmm. partner's life that also loves my partner and wants them to be happy. And you know, all, all of those things. So Mm -hmm. I have struggled in some relationships over the last couple of years where the other person wasn't in a kitchen table style. So like they didn't, I didn't know their other partner or their other partner didn't want to know me or that sort of mm-hmm. thing. Like I, I, I like the other way of it being very, everyone is yeah, being very open and mm-hmm. yeah, that makes sense. And it also seems like that would be in my opinion, something that's helpful to if you have kids, right? Like to bring totally. in these people to be like, Hey, these are, this is a community that we feel good in. And, and you get to spend more time with those partners that way too. If you're keeping them away from the kids, then there's a limited amount of time that you can spend with them versus like, if they're integrated into your, to your kids' lives, then yeah. Okay. Like we, I don't have childcare tonight. So if you want to come over, we can just hang out with the kids or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And then how do you navigate if a relationship ends? Mm. Mm-hmm. So that, and that was one of the other terms that I was going to bring up too, is um, de-escalation. Because I think in in some ways, I've definitely had relationships that have like fully ended and we're not, you know, maybe someday we'll come back to being in contact. But um, I think, I think in polyamory, more people are able to do the de-escalation where it's like, okay, we are not in this like romantic relationship anymore, but we are still care about each other and in each other's lives and can maybe be friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but then sometimes there are certain things where it's just not, it's just not a fit anymore. And 
you know, like any breakup, I, I, it has been interesting for me because of, again, I've been with my husband since I was 18. So some of these breakups were the first real adult breakups that I've had. So it's very different yeah. than when you're a teenager mm-hmm. um, or even like an early twenties, right? Like it's, it's a different way of uh, moving through that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of layers. <laughs> right. Well, and then kind of on the, on the flip side of, of the, the relationship ending, another term people will talk about is, um, new relationship energy or new NRE. And mm. so that's that feeling when you're first like getting to know someone and yeah, excited. The and, butterflies, the uh-huh. Twitter patient. <laughs> and it can be very like drug-like, right. Where you yeah. feel like I want more of this. I want more of this. And so trying to uh, find a way to feel balanced around that and like, and give boundaries. The, I was going to say, and give the same amount of attention if need be right to your other partners. Mm-hmm, totally. Yeah. And yeah. make sure that they feel supported through that NRE. And, and again, for me, that's why kitchen table works because I'm then in contact with my partners about the new partner or whatever. Like it's, mm-hmm. um, it's, it, it's a dialogue. It's not like it's some secret thing or anything like that. Right. And the last term I want to bring up was um, relationship anarchy, because I feel like I've Mm. leaned even more into that than polyamory in the last, probably the last six months. Um, So the idea of relationship anarchy is that no one relationship is prized over another. So that means like your sexual romantic marriage, any of that is not like above. And this is a hard thing for a lot of people. And I know some of your listeners are probably like, what? Somebody else (laughs) is going to be over the marriage, you know, all of that. But Mm -hmm. But for me, that just was like lightning, like, oh, that totally makes sense. Like, I've always been that way. I've always had close friendships that um, felt like family or felt like they were uh, above these other relationships. Um, It's making it so that it's like not 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 even above, like it's non non hierarchical. It's just letting relationships develop into what they're meant to develop into versus having this prescribed like well you are a secondary partner to my primary partner you know that whole right which is some, which is a also a part of right polyamory yeah some people do some they people feel do that. safer that way and especially mm-hmm. when they're first opening I've noticed a lot of people start out with the like lots of rules and lots of this and you know like it can't be love it can only be this and the, the you know all of that and I don't like that. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I, I get it. I get where people are coming from with it, but like those sorts of relationships are much harder for me. Did you, so them. did you sort of, did you start there as well and then moved into the that's relationship? A good, that's a good question. Yeah, I guess maybe a little bit we did, but I think pretty, pretty quickly we, we shifted into it being more like let relationships develop into what they're going to develop into. It appears, right, that in order for this, for polyamory, I think, to work, that there needs to be just an, a large amount of communication. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. Which yeah. is which is one of the things we talked about that monogamous couples could, could benefit com- from right. is like more communication. So what then does your communication look like around, around these relationships and how to honor each person? and how to make sure everyone's being seen and heard. And yeah, um, it's hard to, I guess it's kind of hard to describe. It's just a matter of like talking a a lot of it. The the big joke in polyamory too, is like, it's all all about like communication and Google calendar, because I think, (laughs) I I think like one of the biggest things is time. Right. And that's, that's a thing that, um, that, that comes up a lot too, is like there 
there is infinite love, right? You can love, love can be so many things, but we only have so many time, so much time and resources. So it's right. more about like figuring out where does that fit in? You know, for us, some of our partners, we have kind of like, this is the night they're with that person, or this is the night they're with that person. And that works pretty well, especially with regular partners. But then there's things come up where it's like, oh, it's so-and-so's birthday and we need to do an overnight for that. And then, or I'm going to this thing in the Bay area or whatever. Um, So a lot of it is like logistical scheduling. And then there's also the emotional piece of like, oh, this is, you know, I'm feeling this way about how this happened or whatever. And like, let's talk through what that looks like Mm -hmm. Um, without blaming or shaming. I mean, that's the hardest thing, right? Is like people, and I'm guilty of that too, where like, well, I mean, I feel like everyone is right. Right. But like feeling like, oh God, I, I like what I did something wrong. I'm such a people pleaser. Right. So Mm -hmm. then going down that spiral instead of saying like, okay, I, I get where this person is coming from. And even if I unintentionally cause some sort of harm with them, let's do like working on the the repair piece of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. If all of us can learn how to not blame and shame, that would be great. <laughs> right. I mean, that's like, life it's like our, yeah, it's our default, I think from growing up and then being like, Oh, mm-hmm. I just did that to you. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's so hard. Mm-hmm. How have others then responded to you coming out as poly? especially like around your business and Mm. things like that? Yeah, it's been a mix. So I've definitely had a lot of people that were super supportive. um, And then some people are just curious about it. I remember early on before we, um, we were open, open, like, or or out, out. I had mentioned to like our book club group, which is a lot of moms from the studio. And like, (laughs) it was just this like, wait, what? Like, how, wait, how does it work? Like, wait so then it was just, just curiosity a lot of, yeah, yeah. Like, explain this to me how how do you how do you make that that work um we definitely get a lot of the I could never do that I'd get too jealous right like I said earlier that's sure that's probably one of the biggest responses and then you know and and it depends where I'm feeling that day whether I want to say like well we get jealous too and we this is how we navigate yeah. it sometimes I'm just like, <laughs> to be a okay. teaching moment right, right. <laughs> I'm like I'm too tired to teach you right now I'm just it's yeah and then they act some people will act like they're they're gonna catch it like they're it's like oh well if our so I've had people pull back because I think that oh, they're like oh well well, if they, if my partner sees how happy they are doing this, then they're going to want to do it. And then that's scary. And I don't want to deal with that. So I'm going to just like pull back on the, on the friendship. Um, oh, that's interesting. Or people saying that like, I'm trying to sell it to them or something. And it's like, no, no, I'm just trying to explain how, why it works in our life. I'm not trying mm-hmm. to say you have to do it. Right. Um, it, it, re- it reminds me of the 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 intensity people can get around people being like vegetarian or vegan or whatever it's like oh it's like I'm not telling you you can't eat bacon I just don't like it's yeah. fine. <laughs> like, why are we why are we arguing about this right now you know yeah oh gosh <laughs> well I think it's just such an like a new idea for many people too right because of mm-hmm. our culture and things like that that for it to even work for people, I think it's just such a, like a nuance for people, right? To be like, what? That's How working. Do you do- you're yeah. functioning. You're like happy. Right. <laughs> you know? right. 
Well, and sometimes people will say that it like it means that you can't commit to one person, and it's like, well, actually, we can commit to multiple people, so it's harder. <laughs> like, it's not yeah. like it's. it's I mean, like, it's a lot of intentionality. It mm-hmm. seems to me like the, you're putting, you're being. It's. It seems that with the time that you have with the people who you are partnered with, that there's mm-hmm. a lot of intentionality that's mm-hmm. happening within those moments you know and so it's interesting because i think also because of how our nuclear families are structured that sometimes we're not giving the intention that and an intention and attention that we need to for our partners right mm-hmm. because we're stuck in this system or this like rigmarole mm-hmm. <laughs> or whatever mm-hmm. of like you know, trying to get all the things done, you know, and that's why it's always good to like to continuously date your partner and mm-hmm. <laughs> things like that. Right. But yeah. So that's what I think for me, that is always intriguing about Polly is because of the aspect of the intentionality, mm-hmm. the communication mm-hmm. and stuff that I know would be good for all people to mm-hmm. bring into their relationships. Right. In general. Totally. Cause we get on autopilot and you, you right. can't get on autopilot. It won't work if you get on autopilot with polyamory. Like right. you have to be ob- always communicating and adjusting and, you know, pivoting the way that, okay, this was working. Now it's not working. Like what, what can we do to change it? And right. you, you don't get that uh, opportunity in monogamy. I think a lot of times. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. So what is something that you wish you knew about yourself when you were young? about sexuality because I'm sure this has been also quite Mm -hmm. an awakening for Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. sexually speaking and learning about sexuality yeah when I when I saw this I was like this question is super loaded Um, (laughs) because it's because it is it's a it's a lot that we don't learn about when we're younger um I think for first of course like I wish I realized I was attracted to women um I grew up in like a very small white town um where almost no one was gay or bi or anything else um and it's funny because so many of my friends from childhood have come out as either lesbian or bi at this point um and so I think I definitely have had a lot of grief around that like sure anger at society for like not giving that as something that was an, a possibility for me mm-hmm. um but also who knows like if I had realized that when I was younger maybe then I would have been in a lesbian relationship and never realized I was also poly like so you know I think we have our paths that we need to get go through to get there and I've done a lot of questioning especially in the last year of like is my attraction to men just like a compulsive heterosexuality thing like because of patriarchy and like this is what is shown to us as the way to do things mm-hmm. um or is it something that like I chose or it is something that is really who I am so I, I do I do really feel like I am bisexual or pansexual or whatever you want to um call it attracted to all genders but I, I've definitely done some questioning around that um, mm-hmm. over the last year and then I think also like I wish I'd known or like really internalized the fact that it's healthy and normal for women to have a high sex drive. Like, I think we get yeah. a lot of shame messages around that yeah, and for sure. that we shouldn't feel that or want that, or that it's not, you know, it's, it's all about the male side of things. Um, and I really, really don't want my daughters to feel that. And I want them to be, be proud of whatever their sexuality does look like. Yeah. 
Yeah. There's so much, I think, just as we get older and start looking at the messaging that we've received and different things, we're like, that doesn't add up. (laughs) And it's not like my parents had that, right? Like I didn't Mm -hmm. have that at home, but I I think we just are so indoctrinated into this culture and this um, society of like, yeah, patriarchy and heterosexuality and um, men's pleasure is more important than women's and like all of those things. And so mm-hmm. trying to to uncouple that um, is, is, is hard, but important. Yeah, definitely. So what conversations do you believe we will be having around sexuality in 10 years? Yeah, I think I think as we're all kind of realizing that sexuality is more fluid, the number of people that have come out to me um, even if they're monogamous, like the as bi since I came out was, is sometimes staggering. Cause it's just, I, that seems more common than people talk about. I, I think on the male side too, but especially on the female side. And I think, so sexuality is a lot more fluid. And when you have monogamy as a template, then you're kind of forced to pick one. So it's mm-hmm. like, well, in the society that prizes heterosexuality, if I have to pick one, that's the one I'm going to go towards. Sure. Um, whereas I think if polyamory becomes more normalized and I think the needle is starting to move that way. And maybe that's like, I'm also in my bubble of people, but like, I do think more people are talking about it. Um, then the lines of relationships will be more blurred and nuanced. And like, for me, sex, physical intimacy, cuddling, kissing, all of those things, like they're all on a spectrum of connection. Right. So like, Mm -hmm. it's all connection of some sort. Mm -hmm. It's like, the spectrum is different with different relationships. Um, so I I feel like those boundaries can be removed or blurred if we are able to like talk more about sexuality being fluid. Um, and like those different things are just a way of showing love or showing connection. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side, like I have multiple platonic people in my life that I truly consider partners. Like they may not be the people having sex with, but they're people that I talk to multiple times a day and take trips with and, you know, talk about the really intense emotional stuff with. So it doesn't really matter if I'm having sex with them or not. So I hope right. that I guess you said, what conversations do I believe we will be having? What I hope we will be having is all of this stuff. I don't know if we'll get there in 10 years, but mm-hmm. I hope that that's where we're at. But I think, you know, as someone who's connected to the church community, right? I mean, churches are having conversations now of, okay, we're recognizing that there's polyamorous families in our churches, mm-hmm. you know? And so having the conversations of the way that we minister to not just, um, you know, the monogamous couple, but those who are practicing polyamory and different things like that, because I mean, people are seeing an increase mm-hmm. of individuals and things who are practicing and coming into church spaces and things like that. So mm-hmm. it is a conversation. And I know um, of a church in Oregon where, you know, a pastor's like almost like half my congregation is polyamorous. And so, I, lo- I mean, yeah. I love that because I think that being able to show that that it can be different and even in a traditionally very conservative like we don't talk about this kind of space it's good to hear that 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 is a conversation and I think about it in birth work too right like we we get in this like couple mode right whereas yeah you might have a couple you might have a triad you might have like a partner's partner that's going to be part of the birth like it's um there's a lot more expansion to that and I've worked and I'm still working to really 
uh, make sure that in my business that is represented, you know? Right. So I know we kind of touched upon this before, but I, I guess I'm curious, like, what is the main thing that you want people to understand or, or know about polyamory? Yeah, I think uh, that's hard. Like there's so many different things about it. I think knowing that it can be done in a really healthy, supportive way mm-hmm. um, that we get jealous too and you work through it that having relationships with multiple people doesn't take away from the other relationships that the most important relationship is the one you have with yourself and we don't all do that (laughs) we're all in monogamous relationships bad about that too because like you said when you're talking about the love songs like in a lot of spaces monogamy breeds codependency like and, and trying to break apart from that um it's easy. It, it's you're forced to do that with polyamory. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that trying to do that, even if you're in a, a monogamous relationship too, and, and everybody yeah. needs therapy. That's what I think. Every, everybody <laughs> everyone needs therapy. Needs therapy. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we all function. And if you want to be poly, you need to, you need to be doing therapy because you need to be doing the work on yourself and unraveling your own childhood stuff and insecurities and all of that. Cause if you're not doing that, it's, it's going to be really difficult, you know? Yeah. I mean, all that stuff shows up in any relationship to begin mm-hmm. with. Right. And mm-hmm. I think also we don't know that enough. We don't have enough conversations around that even mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. In any relationship we are in, friendships or otherwise, like we get triggered. Totally. We get triggered <laughs> by our children too. Oh like, my gosh. <laughs> so much so. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just knowing what your triggers are and being self-aware around it versus just, you know, so many people, so many people don't want to do that. Like they, mm-hmm. they'd rather just be in their, you know, complacency around it. And that's a choice. And that's, and that's. Yeah. If people want to to stay there, that's their choice to do that. But you really can't if you're going to be poly. Right. We have to keep doing the work. We all should just keep doing the work. And I yes. like that you said, again, like the healthiest relationship that you develop is the one with yourself, right? Like there's, I try to t- say that when I teach kids, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. like every time during puberty lessons and we talk about healthy relationships mm-hmm. and I'm like, and the one you're going to have the longest is the one you have with yourself. So mm-hmm. start liking you now, start mm-hmm. learning how learning about yourself. And I'm still and unraveling it. that. I mean, really, this is me not coming from the, like, I have found it, figured it out. I know all that. No, I'm still trying to like, I, I, it's like, I'm saying that to remind myself that that is what's most important because especially as like, um, I can't remember if you and I've talked about Enneagram, but like, I'm like oh. a very much of an Enneagram too, like mm-hmm. helper, people pleaser, all the things like it's a, like it, it's work to come back to myself a lot. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. it's, it's a reminder to myself too. Yeah. 100 <laughs> every day. I'm like mm-hmm, that myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I ask, it's like almost done already. Um, I mm-hmm. ask each one of my guests, what story are you reframing for your life today? <sighs> I think I am reframing the idea that relationships have to look a certain way um, or follow a certain relationship escalator and that can be, that's another, that's another good book, The Relationship Escalator. Um, that, that can be destabilizing because we grow up in a culture that is very like relationship escalator is what you do. You get married, you, you know, meet the person, oh. do the, get married and have the kids. Here are the follow, steps. Yeah. Follow the escalator <laughs> up to, till you die, <laughs> like with yeah. that one partner. Right. So when you don't have that map, that the escalator map, it's, 
it can be destabilizing to be like, oh, well, this relationship doesn't have to look that way. This can be a attached partnership that doesn't include sex, or this can be um, a sexual relationship that is less attached than like one of your other partnerships or whatever. Um, relationships ending don't mean that it was a failure. Um, it could be that it was just a de-escalation. Like we're not in a place to have this be a part of our relationship anymore. So we're going to put it in another category and that these relationships and sexuality don't have to fit into these boxes. And that's a reminder for me, because I think as I've discovered like being bisexual or like, okay, well, am I leaning more this way or leaning more that way? I, I try to, we like boxes because boxes make us feel safe. It's like, yeah. oh, I, I am this person. I am this, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. but I think what I'm trying to reframe for myself is that it doesn't have to be a binary and it doesn't have to be, um, linear it, it, relationships can be whatever they grow into and mm -hmm. what something looks like right now on you know in 20 end of 2020 or 2022 jesus what year are we in? <laughs> who uh, knows god i don't know i decided to stop counting <laughs> this is still 2019 i feel like everyone is the same age they were in 2019 uh, right i feel you <laughs> but but like what my relationships look like now in this current moment when i'm recording the podcast with you may be different than they look like a year from now you know those yeah. same relationships may be in a different space or there may be other ones that are you know, taking up more time or, or all of those things. So mm -hmm. trying yeah. to just let those grow as they are meant to. Yeah, that's good. Right. I can't, I'm kind I always think about what, how would our life be if we just opened those boxes, right? Like mm -hmm. we, I've always talked about that, but if we allowed those boxes to breathe and to <laughs> open the lids, mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. like, what would we learn about ourselves? <laughs> you know, and it's scary. Some people mm -hmm. don't. They're they're really they're terrified oh, to open that box. Terrified. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, I also say one hundred percent a lot. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> do you want to talk a little bit though about like how you work with every uh, individuals every day in their business and how you yeah. bring light to our community? <laughs> yeah. So I am a childbirth educator and yoga teacher. I have a, um, a studio here in Sacramento that's all prenatal postpartum related to that. We're in the, we're kind of in a um, contraction moment right now before expansion, like trying to figure out what expansion can look like here, um, what it can look like opening a, another studio down in San Diego and just trying to be able to support more families in different ways. So I'm, I'm in an exciting space right now. And I'm, I'm hoping that we'll be serving even more families um, in the coming year. That's great. <laughs> so thank you so much for being vulnerable and open with mm -hmm. us and teaching us more about polyamory. I just really appreciate the way that, you know, you're open to sharing and how, even though like, I know there's people who are resistant to hear about it. Yeah. So I appreciate that you're here to tell us, you know, how it has helped shape your life. Well, and I appreciate you giving me a platform to do so because it's, you know, it's nice to be able to, to talk about, I love talking about it. I love like being able to share how well it's worked for us and, um, you know, when people are curious about it and the more open I am, the more people come to me asking the questions and for the resources and all of that. And that's, I mean, I'm a teacher at my heart one way or another, whether it's yeah. birth or this or whatever, like that's just kind of who I am. So. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we appreciate it. I appreciate you a lot.